Welcome to Creative MKE, a conversation show from Imagine MKE, where we talk to creative leaders in Milwaukee and beyond to highlight all the incredible transformative power of their work in our region. We hope that after listening to the pod, you'll be able to imagine our city's arts and culture ecosystem and all the awesome artists, organizations, and creative assets within it in a new way. I'm your host, Elizabeth Gasparka. Hey listeners, Elizabeth here. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Creative MKE. If you're a returning listener, thanks for being here. If you're new to the show, welcome. I'm so glad you found us. This week I speak with Courtney Heimerl, the co-founder and organizer of Hovercraft Handmade Holiday Shopping Event, coming up on Sunday, December 4th. For those of you listening in Milwaukee, you're probably familiar with Hovercraft. Hovercraft is one of the longest-running, most popular makers' markets in Milwaukee, which has been around for 13 years. Though it hasn't exactly felt like fall lately, Hovercraft and the holidays are right around the corner. I personally will be snagging my timed ticket to this year's event, and will be doing my best to save pennies so that I can purchase permanent friendship bracelets for me and my best buds, and maybe an inoculated mushroom log for stir-fries to get me through the long, long winter ahead. In our conversation, Courtney and I touch on these examples, which are just a few of the unique and inspired offerings available at this year's Hovercraft. Do check out the website for the full vendor list. We also speak about the power of community and how it functions within Milwaukee's creative economy. In Courtney's view, Milwaukee makers aren't just in it for themselves. They are part of craft lineages and are participating in an interwoven network of creatives who together fuel our culture, pool resources, and uplift one another. Their work invites the adventurous consumer to participate by investing dollars into individual artists at various stages of development with ripple effects throughout the community. As we discuss, some makers who come through the Milwaukee craft fair circuit go from hobbyist to entrepreneur to business owner, employing others. And I think it's fair to say that the community mirrors back this love with uh, somewhat of cultish abandon. Think about how many people you know, for example, who wear recognizable works like K-Poly t-shirts or drink their morning coffees out of a Lolly Lolly or Beth Eaton mug. It's a scene and it's growing. I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation and to reflect on how you might fit into the ecosystem. Before we jump into the interview, if you appreciate this kind of platform and coverage of the creative economy in Milwaukee, please support the show. You can subscribe through your preferred streaming platform, leave a rating or review, or even share it with a friend. It makes a difference and helps the show to reach new audiences. Thanks in advance for showing us some love. Thanks also to the Shepherd Express for platforming and supporting the Creative MKE podcast. Now, here's my interview with Courtney Heimerl of Hovercraft. Welcome, Courtney. Thank you for having me. So excited to speak with you about Hovercraft. 
Yeah, it's one of my favorite topics to talk about. So when you reached out, I was uh, pretty excited to join you as well. The market is in its 13th year, correct? It's true. It's as old as my oldest child and he has just started shaving. So we have like a shaving preteen <laughs> on our hands as far as... <laughs> wow. You have an adolescent maker's market. That's that true. is an achievement. Well, before we jump into our questions about Hovercraft, I just want to start by inviting you to share an arts or cultural experience that left a strong imprint on you. Yeah, of course. I have a lot. Uh, I've been creative most of my life, but I suppose my most important in relation to Hovercraft would be my experience in Fasten. Fasten was a wearable art collective that I helped run in the early 2000s. And we represented over 25 artists and we would sell their work in the Beans and Barley parking lot on a Saturday. And this was my first experience with entrepreneurialism and my first experience fully understanding the power of creating a community to support each other's arts practice. It was really cool. And we met a lot of really wonderful people, but because we were connected for so many weeks and then for so many years, we could really watch each other grow and develop and become more confident. And it's kind of that power of community that's really stuck with me. I love that. Now, are some of the players from Fasten still involved with Hovercraft? They are actually. So Vanessa Andrew was um, one of the founders of Fasten and she's been my... Um, I suppose she's a co-founder and co-organizer. So she's still around. Um, one of the other co-founders of Hovercraft, Alyssa Schulte, actually moved to Portland a few years back. So she's no longer involved, but she was definitely um, one of the brain trusts that created it. And then someone that actually comes to help us set up every year was also in Fasten. Her name's Lori Marmon. Now she's a clothing designer at Target. So yeah, we still keep in touch and we're still watching everybody make stuff and encouraging each other. That's awesome. So walk our listeners through your trajectory from working in community at Fasten at the Beans and Barley parking lot. Um, where did you go from there? And how did you come to hosting Hovercraft for the last 13 years? So I moved to Milwaukee in the year 2000 to go to UWM. Um, I was in art school there. I have a printmaking BFA and a art history degree. And really immersing myself in the creative community here was really inspiring. But really what happened is that Alyssa and I were kind of sitting around one day. And actually, we were holding Evie Baby, my little my little <laughs> nugget of a child at that point, right? And we she came over to babysit. And we were talking about how robust the Milwaukee creative community was mm. and how connected we felt to it. But she was telling me things that I wasn't aware of. And I was telling her things that she wasn't aware of. And so we kind of understood that it was really hard to grasp how robust the creative community is, mm -hmm. unless you're really invested in doing your own research. And so it was really fun to kind of throw out an invitation to a lot of different types of people to come and um, sell their wares under one roof. And I recognize that craft fairs are not new. Um, but this is really the inspiration to us creating Hovercraft in general was to have a collective space where people could come together and, you know, create community, learn from each other, understand what's out there, and then also just showcase it. So shoppers can come in and feel inspired. Makers come in and learn from their neighbors. It's a pretty powerful event. And it's just, it's just exciting to see how special the community is. 
all under one roof. Now, are there ways in which the community stay connected beyond the actual event of Hovercraft? Um, I think that the creative community around Milwaukee is fairly close-knit. And I can't claim, I can't really claim that everything came from Hovercraft. But it is a moment when you uh, select your vendor lineup and, you know, you go through the process of organizing the event and then everyone comes into the space. And everyone is, you know, saying hello again. Everyone's talking about how excited they are. There is this moment of connection that occurs that does feel really satisfying. Mm. And so in my past, I've definitely had a lot more opportunity to be able to shape the creative community. We've done maker classes. Uh, We've had lawyers come in and talk about copyright. We've Mm. had photographers come in and talk about different ways to do product photography. Um, We've had people from Renegade Craft Fair, which is, you know, one of the largest craft fairs in the nation, come in and talk about booth design. Mm. It's essentially like that brain trust that we just keep on trying to funnel people into. Mm -hmm. At a certain point, we recognize that really the most important part was to keep this community connected. And so as people are connected, all of a sudden they don't need a lawyer to come in. They know someone that knows a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And so by having this opportunity where people connect once a year. Um, and then of course they connect in their personal lives, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just goes to strengthen that community in general. Mm, I love that. And I imagine many of the vendors are staying in contact and kind of following each other's careers and, and in that way, sort of pooling resources and pooling momentum. Completely. And, I- and you know, when you, when um, someone reaches out from like a magazine or even, you know, a podcast, it's nice to know who those strong members of the creative community are so that you can continue to plug them. Because I think that that's something that's really generous about our creative community as well, is that people aren't just in it for themselves. They're ready to plug, they're ready to share, they're ready to recommend, and it goes a long way. Mm. Well, as a an artistic person and a, and a craft fair consumer, I can't help but notice that Milwaukee has just like an incredible wealth of opportunities for makers and for consumers like myself. Why do you think that that has such legs in Milwaukee in particular? Yeah. um, Well, the Midwest in general has a really strong craft tradition. And I think that that's really interesting. Quite a few years ago, I wrote a book and um, I was an assistant producer on a documentary around craft. And we traveled the nation really talking about craft. And really it resonates with everyone. There was always someone coming up to our table telling us about how their grandma knit or mm-hmm. how they were learning how to embroider and you know the um, inspiration that came from participating in a craft. So I think that just in general, people really respond to that because it's something that you can learn by YouTubing or you can learn by asking your mom or your neighbor <laughs> or your friend. And so within those craft connections, I think that that's like there are so many entry points to be able to welcome more people into it. Mm. Um, but as far as hovercraft itself, I think it's incredibly invigorating to have over a hundred people in a room that passionately care about what is in front of them and what they have made. I think that there's a disconnect right now as far as people working in their studios or their kitchens or their garages, and they're all alone. 
Um, and they're there discovering their style and they're, they're doing something that they're really passionate about and they post a picture of it, right? Mm-hmm. It's on Instagram <laughs> and they get people who heart them if the algorithm works out. Um, but in person, it's so different. It's this exchange of curiosity and enthusiasm. The vendors get really excited and it's really a compliment when someone decides to purchase a piece. Mm. It sounds really simple. And you think about like these transactions that you make all the time, but when you're shopping at Target, you don't get that checker who's like, good job. This is great. (laughs) So when you're purchasing directly from the individual that feels so invested in the piece, I feel like the shopper feels more gratified. Mm. I feel like the um, creative person gets... Uh, really excited. And then entering into a room that that's happening over and over and over again, is a little addicting. I mean, Mm. we started our conversation before we recorded talking about how dangerous crap bears are because (laughs) I just want to buy everything. But like, and then we kind of talked a little bit about how underwhelming it is to buy something um, on Etsy because you don't really get like that moment where someone gets excited and you get, you know, that cute little bag and someone is able to tell you a story about what inspired them. So I think that it feels good. And I think that there's one more little piece that when you hand your money over to the artist that's making it, you know where your money's going and you know Mm. what it's going to support. And I think that that's also something that's really unique and special about an event like Hovercraft. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it strikes me that the actual purchasing of the piece and the life of the piece is really just the tip of the iceberg. I love what you were saying before about the crafting tradition and its place in the Midwest. I mean, crafting itself is something that is supported by community and supported by lineages, right? Like mothers passing down their knowledge and their wisdom and their experience, friends sharing, you know, I learned how to... um, do silversmithing and it's not as hard as it seems, um, things like that. So I just love that there's a whole sort of lineage to craft that is under the surface of what the product actually conveys. Completely. It's definitely an indication of the long tradition and people are breaking traditions all the time, but then also you feel attached to something really special too. I just went to the Nick Cave show at the MCA in Chicago Mm. and it was all about craft. And that's high art. You can't get higher art than, you know, the Museum of Contemporary Art in Chicago, right? But even the idea that you can uh, relate to like crocheting of Afghans in this space and then the crocheting of Afghans in your grandma's house, like that connection is actually really powerful. And it tells that story of connection and economy and need and, you know, what is required in lives because people don't make Afghans to get rich, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they need them because they need a blanket. <laughs> or they make it is chilly food. here. <laughs> and it's incredibly chilly here. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, you can tell that I've been thinking about craft for mm. many, many years. I think it's kind of like a romantic topic. Mm, absolutely. And you're touching on the relationship between art and craft, which feels like kind of a loaded and crazy topic to even try to cover in this short podcast. And maybe we should follow up and and have another conversation just about that. But I want to talk about the impact, something you were kind of touching on before, the impact of these craft fairs and specifically hovercraft on the creative economy in Milwaukee. Yes. And this is actually one of my favorite topics to talk about as far as craft fairs go. Every dollar that's spent at Hovercraft goes to support the creative community that is closely linked to Milwaukee. So 
It's really important to acknowledge how important this is. An influx of money is needed for each artist to support their continued growth. And over 20 years of organizing and working with um, independent makers, I do not think I can think of one maker that does this, that is financially independent where cash doesn't matter. Mm. Um, It really means like giving your money to someone that wants to make or craft or someone who's an artist continues their ability to continue on their journey. And that's really important. Absolutely. What is our culture without, without makers and creatives, right? Yeah. I mean, really, if, if you think about what that person's mindset is when they first start, it's very insecure. Mm-hmm. And the idea that you're giving them cash or, you know, Venmoing these days, right? Essentially what you're doing is you're saying that, you know, they should keep going and what you are like, you're valuing their work. And I think that that's really important as well, because when I was in the business of helping people start their craft businesses, people would hesitate for years. They wanted it to be perfect. They couldn't imagine setting something, you know, putting something into the world that didn't fully articulate like their skill level and their Mm. style and their interest and their quality. Mm -hmm. And my advice is to always just start, Mm -hmm. just start and get it out there before, before they overthought it. And before they just never did it because they overthought it. But when you think about that insecurity that comes with putting something out that you've thought that hard about, Mm -hmm. right? The idea that you're encouraging that maker just makes them feel like they want to continue going. And we've Mm -hmm. had a lot of people at Hovercraft that have gone on this path that, you know, we find it to be a success story when our vendors' businesses grow too large to then do Hovercraft. Mm. And and that's cool. Hmm. Let's think about Milwaukee as the space where Hovercraft is taking place. You know, you've been a resident of Milwaukee for a long time. We obviously, as a as a city and community, face a lot of interconnected economic and social challenges, and they're not equally experienced by all populations. But can you speak to how hovercraft and how the community of hovercraft might address some of those social challenges that we that we face here? Completely. I think that entrepreneurialism is really important to all aspects of our community, especially especially communities that I deal with a lot. I mean, when you are starting off a business with 50 bucks in an Etsy account, right? That common denominator actually spreads quite quite wide. It spreads throughout the city. Mm-hmm. Um, I see craft fairs actually as micro business incubators. And Hovercraft is certainly one of those um, micro business incubators. Some of these businesses will remain strictly hobbies. But a lot of them will grow into be or to become much more. And it's important. It's an important step where makers are allowed to experiment with their craft and build confidence to take that leap. And like I just mentioned, I've seen a lot of businesses grow from just a spark of an idea to something that becomes someone's full-time job that then actually ends up employing a team of other people. Mm. And I think that that economic development, when we think of the city in general, I would like to see more infrastructure to be able to support that. Because I think that when you give people the choice when they're allowed to pursue their passion, that's really powerful. And that someday could make a really great business. Now, how do you go about selecting the artists and craftspeople that you include in Hovercraft? Well, it's a robust process. I am lucky enough to have two other 
um, co-organizers. So we started off with four founders, four organizers. We're down to three after 13 years, which we feel really great about. So the three of us have been doing this for a very long time. A few years ago, we started to standardize the process. Mm -hmm. So August 1st is always the day that we put out our call for applications. That call for applications gets distributed via social media, of course, but then we also have uh, posters that go up around town and we make sure that we we try to cover all, well, it's almost impossible to cover every single neighborhood, but we want a good cross-section of the city Mm -hmm. um, to be able to be aware of this show. So then we collect applications from August 1st to August 31st, and then we end up going through So we have about 100 vendor spots. And I believe this year we received about 400 applications. Wow. And we do a completely blind vendor selection process. Mm. So we ask people for their images. Um, That would be... Well, actually, Hovercraft is one of those craft fairs that you don't need a website and you don't Mm. need images. (laughs) Um, You can either do... You can either send us your website. You can send us a collection of images that sometimes people post to Facebook or something Mm -hmm. like that. But you can also send us an idea that you've been thinking about making uh, that if you got into Hovercraft that you would actually put that into action, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so we combine these all into a spreadsheet and then we go through them one by one. And because there are three of of us, you need to get at least two votes to get moved into the next file. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's what we kind of do. And then once we get that um, first pile made, then we take a look at it and we're like, how many ceramicists do we have? Because we can't have a show with 50 ceramicists because then like no one's going to buy 50 pots, right? You might buy one pot. If you end up having a few good ceramicists, then maybe someone will purchase from each ceramicist. But we need to have a well-balanced show so that Mm -hmm. people are able to kind of move around and discover and experience. And so we take that into consideration. So if anyone out there is interested in applying for Hovercraft, and if you have a truly unique idea, chances are really good you'll get in. Um, if there's tough competition, we actually, over the last 13 years, have seen home goods spike at a certain point. We had so many people that were interested in home goods, and then that's kind of waned. Um, the last couple of years, I've joined a ceramic studio called Yours Truly in Riverwest, mm-hmm. which has increased the number of ceramicists that we have applied or that we have applied exponentially. <laughs> um, so that's our that's a very competitive category at this point, but it just kind of, it just depends. As a follow-up question, is there a cost to enter as an, as an artist or craftsperson? There is. So it's a free application. Um, like I said, if you have an idea and you want to apply with an idea, you can. Um, mm-hmm. The application itself probably takes about 10 minutes to complete. And then if you do get accepted, there is a vendor fee. Um, and the vendor fee at this point, I believe it's $175. People are always really curious about the cost for a vendor fee. And the way that we get it is it's our space rental divided mm-hmm. by the number of people we can fit in the space. So it goes to help us afford that. Mm, absolutely. And the Pritzlaff building is a beautiful, really nicely centrally located space. So It's a gorgeous space. They allow us to rent it from them. We love that about them. Um, but we also do things like we rent a parking lot. Um, mm-hmm. And then there we pay bartenders, the different things like that, just to make sure that the experience is well-rounded and easy for people to get to. Awesome. Yeah. So in year 13, what can audiences and attendees expect from the experience of attending Hovercraft? 
Year 13. Well, people that will be vending can expect a very, very busy six-hour event. Um, We always have a line of shoppers who are incredibly enthusiastic, and they're there to uncover their, their new favorite thing, right? They're really urban explorers, people that are willing to try something new, which is just a wonderful group of people that get into the same space. And then shoppers should expect to have fun, meet new people, be surprised, um, and be really proud of their city at the end of the event because uh, the creative people who are there make it so interesting. You can get a Bloody Mary if you like to shop with Bloody Marys. Mm -hmm. Um, There is an aura photographer that will come and you can get your photo taken if you'd like um, to be able to identify what your aura looks like that day, Mm -hmm. uh, which I'm very excited to do. Uh, We have Paloma Wilder. She'll be hosting her bond table, which means that if you bring your best friend and you want to get matching bracelets bonded to your wrist permanently, she will be there to do that for you. I know. Such a good idea. (laughs) Um, And I've been so jealous. I didn't have a chance to do it last year. So she was here last year and she's going to repeat this year. Mm. Um, But I've been noticing all these beautiful bracelets on a lot of my friends. And whenever I ask, it's always a Paloma Wilder bond bracelet Mm. from Hovercraft, which makes me a little jealous. Um, So fun. It's super (laughs) fun. Yeah. But then we also have kind of like off the beaten path crafts, um, craft objects. So Mm. Center Earth, which is actually a farm just outside of Milwaukee, run by Brian Hollebeck. Um, He'll be back with his mushroom logs. So they're (laughs) mushroom spores. And if you want to give someone a log, they can bury it and then they can grow their own mushrooms. Cool. Um, Yeah. So there's awesome. Some really cool stuff happening. And then, um, yeah, I could go on and on and on about our vendor list. I'm very, very excited about it. Nice. But the complete vendor list is linked on Hovercraft's website. Yes. True. Yes. Excellent. Well, that sort of leads into the next question, which is how can audiences find you and find out more about Hovercraft or reserve tickets? Cool. Yes. I love that question. Everyone should come and follow us on social. So we're at Hovercraft MKE and we're um, most active on Facebook and Instagram. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you can visit our website, which is hovercraftmke.com. Tickets are on sale now and they are timed. And also because they're timed, they're a little limited. Mm. So you should go snag a ticket and then come visit us at the show. Awesome. Which is on December 4th, correct? So the event itself will be on Sunday, December 4th. And the doors will open at noon and we go until six. So we do have a $5 admission fee and then children are free. Awesome. All right, Courtney, one more question for you before I let you go. Here at the Creative MKE podcast, I have the power of making our guests the leader of arts and culture for the next couple minutes. So you have the opportunity to pass a policy that's going to influence arts and culture in our city. And what would that policy be? I don't know if I quite have a policy, but at one point I was involved in a conversation that would have resulted in very small storefronts that would have had flexible and easy to afford leases. Mm. And the intention was to create a place for like-minded makers to come together and share resources, but also it would have created a destination for shoppers. Mm. And the vibe was going to be close to the streets of Paris at the turn of the century with Mm. handmade signs Mm -hmm. and a selection of very eclectic, specialized handmade shops. Mm -hmm. And if someone, as I'm like the arts and culture ambassador, would like to give (laughs) me the first floor of one of those fancy condo buildings going up, that would be 
that would be pretty amazing. And I would make that happen. Nice. Any developers listening to this podcast, (laughs) you know who to reach out to. It would be pretty special. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for your time, Courtney. It was really lovely chatting with you about Hovercraft. And I can't wait. I'm going to start saving my pennies. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. And I cannot wait to see you there. It's going to be a great event.